0: hello and welcome to reaction shots for november i'm very honored to have a very special guest along with me well here's huber obviously co-host extraordinaire um but uh ingu kang hello hi did i say it right yes you did (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself i'm very excited to have you here uh, my job
1: is I'm a TV critic at THR, The Hollywood Reporter, and for fun, I guess, uh, I am co-hosting a podcast called All About Dovar. We call it, I think the logline is something like an introduction to loving the films of uh, to loving the films of Pedro Almodovar, it basically arose because I was watching movies with my friend Daniel, and he told me that he had never seen any Almodovar film, and Almodovar is my favorite director. And I was like, why don't I take you through just, like, the best of his work, and then we'll make a podcast about it. So that's what that is. Um, I love that. That's awesome.
0: me. <laughs> and... Um... It was actually this theme that we're doing this this month, Bong Joon Ho films was was your idea. You and I were discussing over email what uh, would be a good theme, and and you suggested this, and I just thought it was a very good call. And you uh, you had a an essay included on the Parasite DVD that you wrote, which I just learned, and I'm very impressed by.
1: <laughs> yes, uh, I think Criterion was like, do you want to write like the essay for our. Parasite issue, and I was like, why are you, like, literally asking, like, a yes or no from me? Like, what is this? Um, anyway, that's what happened. Um, but I think before that, like, a year ago, I wrote, like, a pretty large overview of Bong Joon-ho's entire work, um, his entire filmography that's on Slate. Um, and basically, it's sort of talking about, like, why he's such an interesting filmmaker, especially from an American point of view because he likes to really take the genre of like the American blockbuster and remake it into like his own <laughs> very twisted sensibility um, and also just like the other stuff that he's so good at which I guess we'll talk about
0: yeah oh yeah he's ugh. I ugh. in filling in filling in the gaps I had in uh, in my you know in his work for this episode and I'm still missing barking dogs never bite I haven't seen that one but um i watched oakjaw the host and memories of murder which i hadn't seen any of those yet and i watched them all the last couple of days and my god like every single one of his films except maybe one is just a 10 out of 10 (laughs) 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 i know which one
1: you're talking about (laughs) <laughs> I think By the way, this is, this is not milk. I know it looks like it's milk, and it looks fucking gross. I say that because I hate milk. Um, but I'm actually I'm like, drinking, like, a so. Korean <laughs> rice drink uh, ah, on nice. the occasion of our Bong Joon-ho discussion.
0: Yeah, very thematic. Well, before we before we just spring into the theme, because we're all chomping at the bit, um, I could tell, uh, we'll, we'll talk about what we've liked lately that's not Bong Joon-ho. Uh, Huber... What have you seen
2: lately that you liked
0: or that you hated? I, I always say, What have you liked lately? But we invariably there's one that's like garbage. Dude,
2: October was like the best October of my life. I watched <laughs> so many horror movies every night. I was watching so much horror. It was like the most I've ever watched in an October. Uh huh. Um, I want to first give a shout out to Cairo. It's it's uh, also it's called Pulse, the English translation. So it's a Japanese oh, film. Yeah, it was remade a few years later with uh, Veronica Mars and Damon Salvatore from <laughs> Veronica Mars and Vampire Diaries. Uh, <laughs> I have not seen the remake, but it looks horrible. Yeah, but this the original. This is now one of my all time favorite horror movies. Whoa. Super low budget, super grimy, but prophetic. It was made in like the early 2000s and it's all about lonely ghosts and like technology and the internet just consuming you. Really, really good movie. I cannot recommend this enough. Sounds like Serial Experiments Lane or yeah, something. Just, just really lonely, really dark, bleak, really low budget, you know, like uh, it doesn't have a Hollywood sheen. Like it was made after Ringu. But Ringu The movie about my that. sister. What's up?
1: The movie about my sister. We're <laughs> Ingu and Ringu, obviously. <laughs> oh <Nice.
2: laughs> Yeah, like that that was made earlier, and I always remember it being like really hard, like hard-edged. But re-watching that, I was like, after Cairo, I was like, wow, even the Ring is like has that hollywood budget and like sheen to it even the japanese original version uh but cairo it was it was grimy it was so good highly 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 recommend so i don't
0: know why i thought of this have you
2: seen oh what's it called three stories maybe the
0: horror triptych with where takashi miike did one. one three it's called... three six streams or something yeah I don't. three sisters three extremes i forget three extremes that's what it three is extremes. yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. There, I remember there was a really scary ghost in that one that gave me ring vibes, but yeah. So. The- <laughs> uh,
2: Then another one, which is a freaking 11 out of 10. This is a newer one. Possum. Oh, I heard what about a- this. Oh. I heard it's <gasps> real messed up. <laughs> this will give you nightmares. Visually, content-wise, it deals with abuse and like i don't want to this is one where you like you don't want to know a lot going in uh but it's a really quiet film really meditative and just has some really messed up freaky imagery and the story is really awesome it, it's about abuse and uh this, like father <laughs> and son and it's 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 hard it's heavy it's a heavy one it's very depressing possum yeah. very very depressing one uh but will make you think for sure anything else like 20 other ones but we don't have time
0: we don't have time <laughs> I watch I so many of, have you liked anything lately i'm
1: trying to see if i can out bleak huber and i feel like <laughs> i can't um so let me go in like the opposite direction i actually only watched one horror movie in october i know shame on me it's <laughs> One that like a lot of people will have already seen, Vampire's Kiss, but I had not seen oh, it
0: Dude. <laughs> in something
1: I, love that movie. <laughs> I have I hadn't seen it in like ten years. And I think like the last time I saw it, I was either at like the new Beverly Cinema or like Cinema Family in New York. It was like a oh, big man. theatrical crowd. It was perfect. It's like the kind of movie where, like, you're laughing, like, you're guffawing, like, every five minutes. So it basically stars, like, a very young Nicolas Cage, although he doesn't actually look very young. And he believes that he has been turned into a vampire, but, like, it's not actually c- clear if he has turned into a vampire. Also ends, like, quite bleak. Um, but I'm not going to, like, try to compete with Huber.
0: <laughs> so... I don't know, having a, having a psychiatric <laughs> uh, appointment with the corner of a building is pretty good.
1: <laughs> yes, there's also a scene. I, I mean, like, the movie is great because, like, Nicolas Cage is at, like, a 12, like, the entire time in the oh movie. Oh, God. There's, like, one scene where he goes through, like, the entire alphabet the while he's, like, alphabet. yelling at the psychiatrist. And it was so funny. I made, like, my friend rewind the whole thing just so that, like, we could go through, like, the alphabet again. Um, <laughs> on a completely different note, I have been really into the crown. Um, this is because. I've heard this because Oh, it's so good uh I never really liked it before I saw like the first season I was like really bored I was like who the fuck cares about the fucking royal family (laughs) and then I decided to assign myself to review like the fourth season so I caught up on two and three and then four and I just I don't know I guess like they're interesting now and also Princess Diana is one of those people that I always thought Like, what does she have going on? And then I realized she had so much going on, including apparently in her 30s, pushing her stepmother down a flight of stairs, which is a thing that like not only happened, but there was like an eyewitness to it. Like that woman is fascinating.
2: Um, (laughs) I haven't seen those newer seasons, but I remember the, the fog one. Or the, the, like, oh yeah smoggy, that was wild yeah that was that's one of the best episodes of tv ever it just like has such a lasting impact on me
1: oh and, but uh, the craziest the craziest thing about season four is that you got princess anna which is great but also jillian anderson plays margaret thatcher and oh, at what? first i was like like my brain just like broke I had to turn it off because my brain, like, literally could not process Scully as Margaret Thatcher. And then, like, I watched a little bit more, and then, like, it clicked, and I was like, holy shit, this fucking performance.
0: So. When I I first saw her, like, real accent or whatever, like, that she's got this British accent or whatever, Jillian Anderson, kind of blew my mind. Or it's like faux British, I don't know.
1: I think she grew up in England until she was, like, 11. Yeah. And then she moved to Michigan or something.
0: Yeah. And it's, like, a mixture of those. And it's just, like, what a fascinating <laughs> dialect you have. Olivia <laughs> Coleman is in that now, right? Yep. Yes. She's the Love queen. Love her. Love her. hmm Anything else you've liked recently? Broadchurch hype. Honestly,
1: oh I feel like... I just recommended, like, a solid 42 hours of that's, content. That's true. Like, you guys are set.
0: <laughs> you met the quota.
1: <laughs> um,
2: well, Dude, by I, gotta, I gotta subscribe to that philosophy. One huge recommendation, <laughs> get back to me in a month.
0: <laughs> yeah, you gotta watch Patriot. Um, uh, as far as horror movies go, I don't remember if I talked about this last time, I saw In the Mouth of Madness, and I'd never seen that one, and I really enjoyed it. It's pretty ridiculous but i liked it yeah we have so many
2: conversations outside of the podcast i forget if we were talking I, about it on yeah, the I show or outside yeah,
0: I, I never remember <laughs> i was trying to remember if i talked about seeing tenet uh in the show or just if i was just whining about it in real life because <laughs> i went to a drive-in and i don't remember when that was because time is meaningless you saw it yeah it's not very good oh uh, um bummer <laughs> i don't want to I don't know. I feel like people are really sensitive about spoilers on Tenet,
2: but... Definitely, definitely. It's
0: it's very Christopher Nolan, and it's very fine. Okay.
2: <laughs> like Part of the I'll, Nolan I'll experience I'll is the IMAX.
0: I mean, I'll, I got a 4K TV now, so probably I'll rent it in December when it comes out for home screens, you know, and I'll see it again and see if I like it more, but I feel like it, it's pretty predictable, and it... Hmm. Uh, just kind of whatever. Uh, but I did see two things I finished just recently. Shows. Um, I finished Bly Manor, Huber. Yes. And- uh, Yes. You know, I'm, I'm standing the relationship yes. in that. Yes. So hard.
2: Yes. Uh, <laughs> Have you seen uh, the show You With Her? No. It is beautifully creepy as hell. And really? she's in it and she's amazing
1: is this I, the I, I, victoria actress that you're talking about
2: yeah pa, pa or yeah I don't know is she, she a, the yeah.
0: is she danny in in bligh that that's who we're talking about yep yep the, the blonde yeah yeah who like got veneers or something this season her mouth is different hmm
2: veneers but, um, type
0: veneers are, jamie i really like her the other yeah
2: part.
0: Um, did you yeah
2: i, I want to hear your thoughts on it please
0: I liked it a lot. I, um, I think I. It's interesting because it's not scary, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I'm a baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, like once I got past like the first couple of ghosts, I was like, "All right, we're fine." Yeah. yeah. Um. And then you realize that it's about. It's scary in a much much more scary and real way because it's about basically like terminal illness and losing loved ones, mm-hmm. which Huber and I unfortunately are both all too familiar with. Um, I've lost my parents and Huber lost a brother recently and like it's not great and um, so the show really resonated on that level but then also just like the fear and I don't want to get into specifics really but like the the fear of having a terminal illness and living with one is just like terrifying to me um, so yeah it's really affecting that show yeah. for that reason and it's just really well shot and stuff um. The other one I just finished the other day and I'm gaga for it is the Queen's the Queen's Gambit. I uh, have have either of you seen that? Number one on my list. As soon Fate. as I get a minute. Oh I'm gonna my watch. god. Yeah. I uh I mean I feel bad. I don't want to like oversell it for people. Maybe it just hit me exactly where I live, but like um uh, it's I just think it's beautifully shot, well directed, well acted, the editing is fantastic. Um Anya Taylor Joy is just a joy. Um,
2: (laughs) is there a lot of chess
0: there's a good amount of chess there
2: better be i don't like getting into like a baseball show or a a show about something and then there's like barely any of that thing i love my i want to i want to see some epic chess matches
0: there you will my friend jason who's a who's a big chess person um wished there were more chess but but you know even he was like I understand that they're also making, like, a show for me. Okay, okay. Good job, <laughs> you know, like, Good preface. And then he linked me, like, a, a, a breakdown of one of the games in the show um, that's, like, 35 straight minutes of someone just going through all the moves. <laughs> Dude, and I was awesome. fascinated by it, but... So cool. Um, anyway. Whatever. Let's talk about <laughs> Bong Joon-ho. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Alright. So, feature films by Bong Joon-ho. He's also done, like, a shocking number of short films um but uh parasite mother snowpiercer okja the host memories of murder barking dogs never bite i think that's all of them uh not that many but they're all winners except stanley for kubrick over won. here <laughs> well that's that's the thing is someone uh someone said this later but uh they were saying that they think that bong jun ho and denny villeneuve might be like the new it guys. Oh easily i would 100 Moore agree. said that and i kind of agree too i i don't know mm-hmm. anyway um, uh, first off i asked the patrons slash easy uh what their favorite film by bong jun ho is and um, usually i save this to the end but do you do you both have a favorite i absolutely have a favorite? have a favorite what's your favorite cuz I have a favorite too.
1: My favorite is Mother.
0: Me too, dude. <laughs> yeah. <Nice. laughs>
1: Mother is so good. I think Mother is like quite possibly the scariest of his movies. Yeah. Uh wait, should we explain what Mother is or
0: I was I, I cuz I was studying up, uh, you know, for this episode and I love Mother so much. And then I was like, I had a moment before we started filming where I was just like, shit, like how do we talk about this movie without ruining it? Like, is there a way? I'm sure we can find a way. I, I've, I feel like we should try not to spoil it, but yeah, tell, tell us about Mother. What do you, what do you think of Mother? Uh, wait, Huber, have you seen Mother?
2: I've seen Mother, but like when it came out, yeah, all oh, these, these came out. yeah, all these Bong Joon Ho movies I've seen so long ago. My friend David Kwan, shout out to my friend David Kwan, showed me all the good movies when I was in high school. I like wasn't as into movies in high school as I am now, uh, and this guy was just so ahead of the curve with everything. Showed me, uh, we are talking about the Wailing a while ago. Ian, we're always talking about it, but he like that uh, that director's early movies he would show me. Yeah. Uh, So he showed me, like, memories of a murder, the host. So I'm a little rusty, but yes, I've, I've seen Mother.
1: Okay. So Mother is basically a, like, a crime procedural, like, at its heart. You have this, like, elderly woman. She's, like, maybe 60, maybe 55. She has a son who is developmentally disabled. Like, she lives in this, like, tiny town and everyone knows that he is just sort of, like, the butt of all jokes. And whenever he goes in the village, like, people make fun of him because of his disability. And basically, he gets accused of murdering this girl, this, like, high school girl who is discovered to be dead. And she is convinced that the police are basically pinning it on her son because he is not able to defend himself. And so, what they end up doing... So, like, she is pretty poor. She's only, like, working part-time. She's, like, selling herbs or something. Like, something, like, super traditionally Korean. Yeah. And so, uh, basically, she... Because she can't really afford, like, a defense attorney who is competent, she goes in search and, like, asks people questions and tries to figure out what actually happened to the girl and, like, what happened to her son, um, and basically, um, I, like, I, obviously I don't want to tell you, like, the ending, but, like, I think yep. the movie is really good because it shows you, like, both, like, how great maternal love can be and also, like, how dangerous maternal love can be.
0: I think that's, that's the perfect way to say it. Mm-hmm. And, like, the, the lengths to which people will go, yeah, and- I was just watching before we filmed this, uh, there are a few decent videos about this movie on YouTube. Every Frame of Painting did one, and a few other channels did some interesting breakdowns. And uh, they talk a lot about, like, that a lot of things are shot in profile in this. And Bong Joon-ho does that in a lot of his movies, too, but especially this one. And uh, interesting use of lenses and and, um, aspect ratio and stuff, which is really cool, but it's all done so meticulously and i mean that's that's a through line i think that's going to come up a lot in this episode is just like he is meticulous and he is a planner he's like hitchcock in that way like storyboards everything meticulously um but it shows because there are so many things in all of his movies and mother especially and parasite probably after that but like a throwaway line like early in the movie or like thematic placement of the hands and stuff like that like is like a subconscious nod at the truth um it's phenomenal mother is so good um but yeah like you said we can't really say much more about the story without (laughs) spoiling it um but i will say like it's really interesting having gone through them in the order that i have because i mother was my first and then snowpiercer and then parasite and then Oakjaw, the host of Memories of Murder. That's the order I saw them in. And seeing them in that order is really fascinating because Memories of Murder is one of his earlier ones, but you can see, like, the through lines from that one that permeate to this day, like, in all of his stuff. Not not just that it stars the same dude that's in, like, four of his movies, but uh, who's great. I love him. But, um, yeah, like... The police and Memories of Murder are just picking a guy and beating up on him to make him confess and stuff. Um, one of my favorite things about Memories of Murder is the main characters are not, and this is true of all of his movies, the main characters are kind of not sympathetic always. They're not, he doesn't paint his characters um, broadly, and like he doesn't paint them so that you'll like them necessarily all the time. Like, he gives you things to disagree about, to mm-hmm. disagree with about them, which I really like a lot. I think yeah. in
1: my uh, Criterion essay, I wrote about, like, one how one of his through lines is basically to have these, like, cinematic tropes who actually don't get to quite fulfill their destiny. So, like, in The Host, yeah. you have, like, a father whose daughter is taken. But you know what? He doesn't really, like... Get her ultimately like a hundred percent back. If you go to something like Parasite, like all you want is sort of like that familial reunion. And of course that's the thing that's like denied the most. Um I don't know, like in Snowpiercer, like your Captain America hero is like a baby cannibal. Um yeah.
0: <laughs> And just perpetuating you know, the system, yeah. Uh I agree completely. And like what I love about all these movies, and like, because I asked, I asked the patrons, and we'll we'll get into it in a minute. But like, what a common thread is, and everybody had a lot of different answers. But to me, like, it's definitely there's kind of like a we're all cogs in a machine that's way bigger than all of mm-hmm. <laughs> all of us, and we're just like victims of life, kind of in a strange way. It's and victims of, you know,
1: of institutions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's just
0: like. No faith in the
1: police or the government or
0: yeah. or America or yes, I mean the meat industry. <laughs> Oak,
2: <laughs> Oak jaw, dude! I can't. I, can't I, I don't want to watch it. Have you not seen Some, it? No. Sometimes, like animal, I loved it. Abuse <laughs> slash like when animals are hurt, it sometimes hurts me more than when humans are hurting. Humans are <laughs> trash. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh. Look, really I think sad. you could.
0: I think you could do it. Okay. Um, similar to, you know my you know my prevalent theory about uh, movie trailers for dog movies, how they have yes. to show the ending. Yeah. Uh, because people want to know going in if they're getting a dog lives or dog dies movie.
1: Yeah, there's like a website called that, right? Like does right, the dies. dog
0: die? Yeah. Does the dog die? That's so good. That's great. Um, I make use of where's the jump. That's a fun website that tells you how how many jump scares are in a movie. Okja, I think you could handle, Huber. It definitely, like, confronts the darkness. Cool. But, uh,
1: cool. but I think the thing that I really like about Oakja is that, like, yeah, it's about factory farming. But I think on another level, it's also sort of just about like the multinational corporations of america and how they have like this really distorted effect on the lives of people all around the world in ways that like they just can't conceive of and so yes. if someone from those countries decides that they want to fight back against the american corporations, sort of like that uphill battle that they have to fight it's about factory farming but it's not just about factory farming it's about a lot of other things
0: that's I mean, that's, yeah, it that movie, it maybe tackles it the most head-on, but, like, these themes kind of show up in a few ways in his, like, capitalism or, like, anti-institutionalism sort of stuff. Um, or not even anti-institutionalism always, but, like, where am I in, in this institution kind of stuff. Can you guys hear my
1: dog snoring? I can't tell what that's like.
0: I can't, okay. but I wish I could. Oh, Same. Okay,
1: <laughs> it got really loud for like a brief second. And I was like, "Oh no, I'm ruining the podcast." I
0: love a good dog snore. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I asked our patrons what their favorite movies are. Um, so I'll just read through some of these. If something sp- springs an idea in either of you, just let me know. Uh, Wait, we didn't takes- get Hubert's favorite. Oh yeah, what's your favorite
2: Hubert? It's been so long, but it like if you it's been like a decade but memories of a murder for sure but i would need to rewatch it to like confirm but yeah. uh that genre and that style of movie is like my favorite bleak like, yeah bleak, yeah. bleak. <laughs> solving
0: a murder just love it well that's what i love about that movie is because um, i just watched it for the first time like i don't know a couple of days ago but um Ah, I want to talk about the ending. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we should, We gotta have like uh, reaction shots over time or something. Rea- right? Yeah, like, spoiler, spoiler yeah. Spoiler, spoiler
0: mode. Yeah. Well, we actually have a show called Spoiler Mode, but um, <laughs> yeah. But w- without getting too specific, hopefully, uh, Memories of a Murder is very interesting because it it I would definitely put it into the pile of one of my favorite. Sub, sub, sub genres in cinema Which is perfect last shots Mm -hmm. Um, And like Every single one of the movies I'm thinking of Has almost the same last shot It's just somebody's face Realizing something (laughs) 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 Or like processing something New information Uh, My favorite is probably The Long Good Friday But uh, yeah The last shot of this movie is so cool In a really simple way it's not like some epic whatever. Yeah. I'm, I'm overselling it. Uh, but just like what it means and how you can interpret it a few different ways is very cool. Uh, anyway, Parta Cancore says it's either Parasite or Memories of Murder, depending on the day. But right now, I'd say Parasite has a slight lead. Um, Happy Gaming's favorite film is Parasite as well. Uh, but Snowpiercer is the one that introduced them to the director. Uh, and they fell in love with his work. Takamoto Hagu says, The Host, <laughs> it was the first movie I saw from him and discovered a signature mis- mix of comedy and suspense. I'd like to pause right there and say, mm-hmm. yeah, he mixes comedy. Oftentimes, in way, in t- at times, you just don't see coming. <laughs> a, few, a few people talked about the scene in The Host where the family is like trying to outgrieve each other, Yes, Uh, in front of the picture of the the daughter (laughs) it's just like what i love that scene
1: it is like i the first movie i ever saw was the host and i went in and i was like in grad school i was like at this like giant movie oh i was at ucla sorry you guys are la dudes Yeah, yeah um i was like in melvin hall just like waiting for the movie to start and at first i was like this is fine And then we got to that scene where all of the family just starts crying hysterically and, like, their grief is so overwhelming that it just becomes weirdly funny. And then I couldn't believe that I was laughing at this, like, family that was in so much pain. And I was like, oh, this is an amazing film. Like, (laughs) this director wants me to, like, laugh at like the mourning of this family in a way that like doesn't at all detract away from how bad you feel for them which is like an amazing feat and then you sort of like take a step back and you're sort of like what kind of twisted ass mind would think of this where they want the audience to like laugh at this grieving family Um, and then I was like oh I'm sold I love this movie and
0: (laughs) it exactly it, it, it's like one of his strongest a- attributes i think as a filmmaker is his ability to just endear you to these characters in such a way that like you can disagree with what they're doing you could even think they're like wrong or bad you can laugh at them in their moment of grief and still like love them and like want good things for them or at least like be interested in them like para- the the beginning of parasite to me is such a sterling example of this where it's just like you are immediately in with this family mm-hmm. like they're they're in this basement Boxes. apartment and like yeah and they're they're eating and you could just see that they care for each other but you also see how like savvy they are and like ruthless they are kind of but how funny they are and like yeah and every all the themes are being set up at the same time. Oh God, he's. Uh. <laughs> I like. I'm fangirling.
1: What I love about uh, that movie, especially that like beginning that you were talking about. Is how de- like delusional they are about like yeah. the righteousness of what they're doing because mm-hmm. they can't admit it to themselves that what they're doing is actually bad, but like it also plays upon the audience's assumption that like what they're doing is not that bad, right? Like, and I think that one of the things that Bong is really good at is that he gets you to sort of like, what do I want to say? He gets you to sympathize with characters that you know you shouldn't sympathize with
0: right yeah yeah, yeah exactly he like well it, it, he does that well also like introducing the theme and like it's weird because he never hits you over the head with the themes but then once you once you know what the theme is, like with *Parasite*, once you know what the movie's about, it's just oozing off of every inch, every frame of that movie is about, you know, that kind of like class structure and and various elements, and it's just like. You look back at your first viewing, and you're like, "How was I not seeing this?" <laughs> right, right from the start. Um. Yeah, Swan's mom in that. Oh, she's great. Yeah. Um. She's so, like, she maybe was, like, the creepiest character to be the, the, the mom, because she's just so, like, like, gonna make it happen, <laughs> like, dedicated, I don't know, not creepy, creepy is the wrong word, but, like, intense, maybe, I don't know, um, Swan says, while I have enjoyed all his movies, Parasite has a special place in my heart, I think it uh, is a must watch for anyone trying to gain insight into wealth inequality, the movie is also crafted with an incredible attention to detail and symbolism. Tokyo Slim, you might be noticing a theme here. Also mentions Parasite as their favorite. <laughs> uh, this is probably his favorite film of the decade. I can't really put into words in the time I have to write this why it's so special. But the whole film is impeccably assembled. I've said this half serious, half seriously before, but it's the best Joker origin story I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> Well, really I don't funny. think it was intended to be that. The undertones and thematic elements are there, like the Snowpiercer, Charlie, and the Chocolate Factory connections, if you're into that kind of thing. That's a YouTube video I would watch. Like, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Snowpiercer. I, feel I can like see their connections in my mind, but...
2: With with most movies, especially, like, complex, crafted ones, I need to see Parasite a second time. Yeah. Because, it like, there are so many jarring parts, like the the person like living in the walls and and yeah. that whole like subplot was just it was like so much at the time <laughs> i was like yeah how do i feel right now like i always yeah. ask myself like what what am i feeling and i feel like his movies like there's no clear-cut way to feel it's all kind of in the the pot being stirred together well and that's what that's one of the aspects that I think make his movies so good
0: is that they're they're. we've talked about this before huber but like the interactivity of of quality cinema you know where it's mm-hmm. like it makes you a participant and like a, uh, because you have to think yeah yeah <laughs> it's not just coming in. like it was interesting ingu earlier you said that he makes he takes like american blockbuster style movies and then makes them like good for lack of a better word but like it is funny that he takes like those kinds of tropes and uh spins them on their head and with parasite it was funny because it got overhyped for me for sure like before i saw it everyone was like it's the greatest movie ever made like it's amazing it's amazing so when i saw it and also i intentionally didn't want to know anything about it and knowing like about the host and stuff and it's called parasite i kept expecting it to be some kind of like horror-thriller situation just from that, you know? Um, so it's one of those movies where I, like, each each day that goes by, I appreciate it more, you know? Like, right when I got out of it, I was like, yeah, it was good, you know? Same. Now I'm like, oh, no, wait, that movie's a masterpiece. <laughs> 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 wait a minute. <laughs> I want to pick up on something that Huber
1: was saying about, like, how, like, when he got to, like, the basement family, he felt really overwhelmed. Yeah. I think one of the things that you see over and over in his work... Um, to the extent where it's like a little bit too formulaic for me now, having gone through all of this stuff, is that he will always give you like sort of like the every man and then whatever he's fighting against but he will also always give you someone who is, like, under the position of the everyman. Mm. And so you have, like, in Parasite, the the poor family. But then there's also, like, a family that is, like, in so much gambling that they they actually have to, like, hide out in someone's house and basically disappear from the face of the earth. And what Bong really loves to do is... I think, challenge your ready identification with the protagonist. By which I mean, in this case, you watch Parasite, immediately you're taught to identify with the main characters, the poor family. But then they end up doing all of these things and have so little sympathy for the people who are under them that they feel in competition with that like, you understand where they're coming from, but you also sort of have to admit to yourself, like, oh, like... These are really bad people. (laughs) Yeah. Even something like Mother. I think, like, Mm -hmm. Mother is so tragic because the woman who is the main character is a working-class woman. She has, like, barely anything to her name. She is trying to help out, like, this, uh, her son who has an intellectual disability. And yet, she finds out slowly that, like, the girl who was murdered has, like, her own, like like, whole other level, like, set of problems. And the question sort of becomes, like, if you are constantly putting yourself in the position of the underdog, and then you see someone, or you are uh, forced to confront someone who is, who has even less privilege than you, like, what do you do with that? And I think with Bong, what he's really interested in is sort of exploring how the everyman, like, has trouble... Being sympathetic for people who are beneath him in higher in the social hierarchy because he's constantly looking at the people who have more than he does that like he can't really perceive his own relative privilege in like the way that it needs to be seen like I think that's what's so great about Parasite um, and <laughs> sort of like all of the crazy terrible stuff that happens and so it really resists. This very simple binary between the haves and the have-nots. And I think that's what's really great about Bong's work, who, by the way, was, like, when he was in college, a sociology student. Like, he definitely went also in with like all of... like,
0: super broke, right? <laughs> yeah, but, like, like... not not making a lot of money until Memories of Murder hit, if I understand Yes. Correctly. I
1: think he worked in, like, the Korean film industry for, like, a solid ten years, making, like, very little money, and then he was like, I'm gonna make my own film. Um <laughs> anyway, um I think there's just like a depth to his social analysis that, and or his social commentary that I think is really underappreciated. Except with- in Snowpiercer, which I hate cuz it's dumb.
2: That's what I was just going to say. I was going that's so funny you said that cuz I was going to say with your beautiful analysis right there that was amazing. Uh that makes me want to rewatch Snowpiercer taking that knowledge into it. But maybe it's just too on the nose in Snowpiercer. Or- I feel
1: like he should not adapt material from other people.
2: Because
1: hmm. I think that's the only one where he adapted, and I f- feel like it's like his worst movie by far.
0: He's got he's got the opposite of the Tarantino problem. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Wait, what's Tarantino's worst film by that measure?
0: Oh, I just think that. Uh, uh, uh jackie brown is his better is better <laughs> is one of his better ones but uh, besides pulp fiction and uh, reservoir dogs i guess I, a thought occurred to me that uh i don't know if i think this i what well, maybe i do <laughs> it's, i want to know what you guys think of this theory that i've had uh that bong Joon ho movies are almost akin to cormac mccarthy books in the sense that Cormac McCarthy, obviously, like, way f- further down the road with this kind of a th- theory, but, like, Blood Meridian or, or uh, No Country for Old Men, like, the, the characters aren't even, like, characters almost. They're, like, metaphysical archetypes for an idea. Like, like, the characters in No Country for Old Men are, like, this is good and evil and this is humans, like, to put it really simply. Or Blood Meridian is like, this guy's violence, and this guy is greed, and this guy is, you know. And so it's, like, kind of funny, like, like you were saying, Ingo, about um, how he makes you sympathize with what you think are the protagonists, only to realize, like, and this happens in almost all of his movies, It's all, yeah, like you said, almost formulaic, but, like, you realize halfway through, it's just like, well, shit, is this even the protagonist? Like, are these people heroes? Like, are they good? Like, or are they just examples... Uh, put here to show me the uh, the flaws inherent in the, the system. like, you know the, the the problems that capitalism has or the police department has or the fraught nature of motherhood, uh, I don't know. Maybe I feel this theory like doesn't have.
1: <laughs> the performances are so good that like I really feel like it's hard to say that they're not characters. Sure. Like, all of this performances, even barking dogs don't bite. Like, they feel so lived in. Very I think very true. especially because Song Kang-ho, sorry, Song Kang-ho, I, I, I'm always, like, very used to saying it in Korean in my head. Um, the actor who has starred in Memories of Murder and The Host and Snowpiercer and Parasite. I think he has, like, such a rumpled quality to him. That like it. he just feels like much more than a symbol. Maybe Huber I, will disagree I, with me.
2: Uh, I I think I agree with you. Okay. <laughs> I agree. I think the I think though maybe the wall liver kind of has what you're talking about, Ian. he
0: some, does he does come in and he's sort of emblematic. He's kind of yeah. like a symbol yeah. more than a man. That's uh, like that's maybe possibly. like the vibe I got with
1: that. But. but even like the thing I really love about that relationship, like the seller couple, mm-hmm. is that when I was going through all of this work, I realized that he didn't have any romance, like, in his genres, because one thing that we've talked about is he's so Whoa. good at melding these different genres, and he doesn't have a romantic film. I actually asked him about this, and he was like, no, I love romance, I'm going to make a romance very soon, which we'll see, but... <laughs> I think that I was, like, a little bit afraid of, like, what his, like, crazy, twisted brain would come up with in terms of a romance. And then you kind of, like, get, like, a glimpse of it with that cellar couple where, you know, like, okay, like, the guy sort of, like, has gone crazy because he's, in effect, in solitary confinement. But, like, the way that, like, she brings him food or, like, the way that, like, they've obviously had, like, a lot of sex. And the way that, like, he really just, like, loves it when she is, like, doing these jokey renditions of, like, Kim Jong-un or whatever. Like, <laughs> <He loves laughs> you that. can tell, like, this is, like, a couple that, like, really loves each other. Like, their marriage is not just duty. Like, their marriage is, like, a real marriage, even though they only get to see each other, like, I don't know, like, in, once a week or whatever.
0: It's It's an interesting... I hadn't really thought about this, but, yeah, you're totally right. Like, romance is not present, but love is, like, the driving force of many of them. Like, the host, Okja, mother, Parasite. Like, characters' unbreakable love is, like, the only constant, um, like... Family. ...through line. What? Oh, I said family. Family, yeah. Yeah. Family between a girl and her pig or a mother and child. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's... He... I mean, he deals with family, which I guess is just another institution. Whoa. 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 <laughs> uh, Varun Kachwaha says that his favorite's got to be memories of murder. It captivates from beginning to end. The dichotomy of village cop, who might appear out of his depth, contrasted against the city hotshot, know it all, really helps the actors play off each other and keep it uh, and helps them shine. The film the suspense. Yeah, the Yeah. Love it well and that's something i i think there is in every frame of painting about the ensemble shot uh shooting style and and blocking choices of of memories of murder and i that's something i really love about bong joon ho movies is like he doesn't get over with shooting coverage or anything like that he just lets the actors act and, and live in these roles and like you said ingu like the character the portrayals are so nuanced that I really love it and like memories of murders no different. Cause like the city cop guy, what I, the moment in that movie I love is the, the flip around minor spoilers, I guess, but like the flip around when, cause we've been watching um, the local cop, like beating witnesses and trying to get false confessions, like the whole movie. So then later when the city cop kind of does the same thing, that that turn and the moment that those two have, uh, the kind of role reversal is just so interesting, and the, the way they play the scene, I really liked. The uh, really yeah, crazy
1: thing is, at least when I interviewed Bong, he said that what he really likes to do when working with Song is to just like let them improvise because he's like he's such a good improviser, and if you sort of consider like the precision of like his tonal hairpins the fact that he lets his actors improvise like within that i don't know how he does it. it's
0: a fucking Uh, magic trick i i didn't know that he allowed that at all yes (laughs) i I, I can see it but i'm amazed by it um can you imagine if hitchcock let
1: like tippy hedren improvise like it would (laughs) never happen
0: but i guess you see it in um relationships like Werner herzog and um Klaus Kinski. Klaus Kinski. Yeah, like that sort of like haywire energy mixed with like super like focused energy. Sometimes is the recipe for success. <laughs> or they try to shoot each other and eat shoes and all that. <laughs> that <stuff. laughs> uh, Zach Wojdar says, "Parasite was a film I knew nothing about when going in to see it, and I had." No idea of any of the twists and turns it took, and completely on the edge of my seat even before things got gloriously out of hand. Likewise with Snowpiercer, even though it's comparatively more straightforward. Not sure if that was meant as a joke. Straightforward because it's literally on rails. Oh, I, I. Let's talk about Snowpiercer. Let's get into it because I also super hated it when I saw it in theaters, and um, now thinking back and having like done some reading and watched some other people's impressions of it and of course Elise loves it that's kind of why I wanted her to be here because she loves Snowpiercer (laughs) and I wanted someone to defend Snowpiercer um I I'm kind of bummed I didn't have time to watch it again before this because uh I wanted to give it another shake because having seen all his other movies now or almost all of them I do wonder if I would find more in it
2: yeah, just the conversations we've had, you know, his movies are so challenging. Like they, like you were saying, you're an active participant and not everything is clear cut that, you know, so I think a second viewing is almost essential for a lot of these movies.
0: Yeah. That said, though, Snowpiercer, like, even the the fraught moments are pretty literal. <laughs>
2: Like, I I remember being worse than hating it. I remember being indifferent. I was like, yeah. "Oh, yeah." Yeah. With Snowpiercer. A
0: fate but, worse than death.
2: Yes. But, you know, only saw it <laughs> yeah. in the theater. I'd like to watch it again, for sure.
1: I feel like that precision that we were talking about and that's so admirable in him. It's not really there in his more American productions, or at least like when he's working with American actors, I find. Like Tilda Swinton and Snowpiercer and Okja. Like, I know that she's like a camp icon or like for those performances.
0: She's definitely big. <laughs> it's in those. too
1: big. Like, it's yeah. too overwhelming. Or like Jake Gyllenhaal and Okja. Like, I don't know what movie he's in, but like, yeah. the rest of the movie is so sweet. And then yeah. he's just in doing this, like, weird night crawler 2 routine. And yeah, I really, yeah. really hated it. And I think that, like, honestly, when he's working with English-speaking actors, like, he doesn't quite get, like, the performances that, like, the tonal control of, like, what he's going for, uh, like, needs. And, like, that I s- so like about his work.
0: It's funny because, yeah, I w- it makes me wonder how he directs actors because like Snowpiercer is a good example where there are a lot of moments where like the school teacher at one point she's like singing and has like this almost orgasmic like rapture on her face while she's singing some I, My it's a little foggy my memory I haven't seen it in a while but like moments like that seem really large but then I think about how like active the faces of a lot of the other characters in a lot of the other movies are and like some, some of the like slapstick comedy that happens like Memories of Murder has like literal slapstick comedy like people falling people like kicking like dive kicking people from off screen but it just like fits in more even Whereas, Mother yeah, which
1: is so somber has like a bunch of like weird kicks and like jabs yeah.
0: but like it just it, it doesn't work with, like a goddamn interpretive dance like
1: <laughs> yes and ends with
0: it <laughs> yeah you're right yeah it's bookended by it, and uh yeah you're kind of you're right i hadn't really thought of that but there's something about i wonder what that is like if there's something lost in translation so to speak there also
1: like i'm you can at me whatever i feel like chris evans was not like at that point in his career he was like not The role he was not the actor for that main role, because when he said that he eats babies, like I started laughing, and that was supposed to be like the emotional crux of the movie, and I was like, no, like (laughs) no part of this is working for me. The only part that works is like Song Kang Ho playing like basically Han Solo, like Dad Han Solo, so I guess
0: Han Solo, but. or or the or the line where they say, In the whole wide train and he's like, In the whole wide train. I'm like, Oh my god, come on <laughs> But um Like people wouldn't say that. But uh yeah, the uh Song what's his name? I can't remember Song, song Kang Ho. Yeah. Um and his daughter in Snowpiercer, it's like they're in a different movie. It's it's like the the girl in Oakjaw in Oakjaw where it's like in Oakjaw she's in like a heartfelt PG rated late nineties, like getting my pet back movie and everybody else is in. Yeah. Yeah. She's in E.T. She's in E.T. And everyone else is in a hard R like, uh, late 2010s, like blood comedy. (laughs) And you're just like, what the shit is this movie? (laughs) And Snowpiercer is kind of the same where like those two are doing like, a cool gritty version of this story and then everyone else is just like American action movie almost to the point where it makes me think is it intentional hmm. like in Oakjaw especially I, I almost want to give him the benefit of the doubt and say he did it on purpose and he's using American actors in the English speaking parts of the movie intentionally as like a weapon because they're so insane that it almost feels <laughs> like it's like making fun of um of that like of america and like as a stand-in for capitalism i wonder i mean this is probably grasping at straws but like i mean yes. referencing I
2: nightcrawler in the in the same sentence it sounds pretty out of control he's yeah jake gyllenhaal is doing like
0: <laughs> well by turns he does nightcrawler and then he'll suddenly be like in a feat like animal tv host it's it's wild
1: <laughs> it's wild in a bad way yeah, but
0: yeah, I di- it didn't like I didn't hate it like I didn't snow piercer it. I think it's probably <laughs> second, probably the second worst film by a by a fi- a fair margin. But I'm gonna say third worst. What's the second worst?
1: Barking dogs.
0: Oh, see, I haven't seen that one. Same. It's That's very first, right? Coen
1: Brothersy. Yes, but like in I like could, a I could see that being bad his origin. Coen
0: Brothersy way. I could see that being his origin for sure. Huh. Uh, the only really good
1: thing about Barking Dogs is there is like a Bay Duna, Duna Bay performance that's like very, very good.
0: Oh, cool. Also, I, I do like the title. It's a yeah, clever it's a cool title.
1: <laughs> I wonder what the Korean title is supposed to be. Excuse me. Oh, yes. It's Flanders Dog.
0: <laughs> less, less good. <laughs> That's I funny. think it's Usually... like
1: based on like a French book or something. Oh, okay. it's it's a satirical take on the 1872 novel "A Dog of Flanders."
0: Okay, well, sure.
1: Also, the host in Korean is actually just called "monster," so it actually the host parasite doubling actually has like
0: no
2: real like
0: meaning. No, doesn't hold anyone. Mo- monster is a better title. Ah, eh, kind isn't of. Isn't that yeah, that's They're both a canary movie. Monsters.
2: Monsters. Within, well, and
0: then there's there's Monster also. There's a movie called Monster, but Monsters was that, like, it's sort of like Bly, where it's like, uh, this isn't a monster alien movie. It's a love story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I can't remember what we were <laughs> talking about. Colt Smith likes uh, Snowpiercer, but also Memories Memories of Murder. Jorgen Moore likes Parasite. Um, Morgan Mahala likes all of them. Parasite and Mother. (laughs) Um, I'm just kind of speeding up because we're already at an hour almost. Um, I asked our patrons what makes his films great. And I think that we've touched on many of the kind of ideas. um, But Happy Gaming says that he's got a keen understanding of characters but moreover where characters come from and why that makes them feel things about their surroundings, each other, and the situation at hand. In Snowpiercer, it gives us a conscious feeling of rebellion. In Parasite, it gives us a stronger feeling of undermining those who don't appreciate what they have in the first place because we see how hard a class works to use skills versus the others who do not. I think that's... Yeah, like, he gives you such a good um understanding of who a person is and their situation in all these movies that i really appreciate and he does it in a way that isn't expositional in a way that a lot of like other directors are not as good at i think like he'll do something really quickly i mean in that book like save the cat or whatever say what you will about it but like he he does little, tiny, subtle things that just, like, endear you to people really quickly. And I, I appreciate that. Also, the through line in his movies is... Well, or at least in Memories of Murder and Mother. Um, and the, the host, kind of. He definitely has a thing for, like, intellectually disabled or differently abled characters. Um, and, like, showing that... What I appreciate about it is, like, he shows that they're more than meets the eye. Like they're not just a broad strokes, just like they're not only their, their ability or disability, which I think is nice. It's, it's humanizing mm-hmm. memories of murder. Maybe is the best example of that. Our mother. um,
1: Even the host, like the dad has even the host, a yeah. little bit of. Mhm.
0: I like how I don't, I, I love a good, like, tenacious um, protagonist who just, like, has to get it done and just won't stop. <laughs> I love it. Um, but isn't Perrican. that what's
1: great about, like, Bong's movies? Because, like, you admire the tenacity, but, like, sometimes they just, like, don't get there because right. of X, Y, Z. Well,
0: that's that's maybe my... F- I think you've hit the nail on the head of my maybe my favorite thing about his movies... And, he, I mean, we were joking before about bleak movies, and I love bleak movies too. But, like, I love a movie where, like, people don't get what they want. They realize what they wanted wasn't what they thought they wanted. They get it but realize, oh, wait, this sucks. <laughs> like, or they have to do something to get what they want that is, is way too far. You know, like, all of his movies deal with that kind of outcome oftentimes. And I, I just, oh, man, I love that.
2: <laughs> it resonates with me. They're perfectly... Unneat. What's what's the opposite of neat? Untidy. Untidy. Yeah, they're perfectly untidy. I feel like. Yeah. They don't. But like you
0: said before, in a in a Kubrick sort of way, where it's like, excuse me, everything is so controlled. Mm -hmm. Even the chaos is just like controlled chaos.
2: That's even a better way to describe it.
0: Controlled chaos. Yeah. Um, I wonder what. I wonder if he's like just straight nihilist or. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> he's probably an absurdist because all reasonable people are um <laughs> para Concours says i really love his humor he uses very subtle methods we're talking about what makes his films great uh he uses very subtle methods to bring laughter to a scene for example the morning scene in the host that we talked about before uh Takemoto Hagu says his movies are always serious social commentaries and have this weird sense of humor that comes at you from uh, in at the most unusual moments um right and this this is a take on this scene I hadn't I hadn't realized myself but maybe it's true um that it's funny how the family and the host is mourning and then starts having like a competition of out mourning each other because they realize they're being like photographed and I hadn't that wasn't my read on that scene but then I was like oh I wonder um morgan Mahalla bong joon ho does an amazing job of isolating an aspect or cul- of culture or society that is on track to get wildly out of hand capitalism class divisions factory farming all take stage in his movies it is obvious to see what he is alluding to and he does a great job of not becoming preachy about what needs to be done in each film rather he directs the audience to think about the near future or potential for these issues uh to run away and become more and more out of hand I enjoy that he makes the films a thought-provoking experience rather than a lesson that a visionary is trying to impart. I think that's a good point. Like, back to the active participant kind of notion is, like, he's not talking down to you. He's trusting that you'll see what he's saying and draw your own conclusions, by and large, I think. Except for maybe Snowpiercer. <laughs> and Oakjaw, maybe. Um, Yeah. Uh, Jorgen Moore says, uh, his best movies tackle social issues like class or mental illness or, uh, and they all have a major plot twist, but unlike Shyamalan, where his twists are almost parodies of themselves, <laughs> bongs have a purpose and push the movie over the edge. Varan Kuchwaha says, a common theme that makes his films great. So to answer this question and segue into the next is atmosphere His films have a way of drawing you in and immersing you with these characters and the world. I would also say he is incredible at using atmosphere for suspense. Like Hitchcock said, there's a distinct difference between suspense and surprise. Bong Joon-ho does uh, this perfectly in just setting up layer after layer every scene, making the payoff so much sweeter. Parasite is a brilliant example of this. I like that quote. That there's a big difference between suspense and surprise and I think that's mm-hmm. my problem with most modern horror is it's just surprise and not suspense. It makes you me think of
2: the yellow sea.
0: I feel so like one thing that people
1: don't talk about even though it doesn't really make sense for people not to talk about is that he's a really good genre filmmaker if you just yeah. like talk about something from the point of a crime procedural or a monster movie or like I think like I've been arguing forever that like the first half of Parasite, uh, basically until you get to the peach, is basically like a heist film where like you slowly bring in people and then you have to like execute this scam like perfectly. Right. And so just from a genre perspective, he's really good at just like that pure like lizard brain pleasure Um, (laughs) Like, I know exactly, like, what the movie beats of this are going to be and just, like, fulfilling those. And I think what makes Bong so great is that, like, on top of doing that, he's doing all of these, like, weird swerves and turns where he's, like, putting in a joke where, like, you don't expect one or he's putting in, like, an action scene. But, like, the action scene, instead of, like, a gun, it's, like, a peach or, you know, whatever. And so I think... Yeah, like, he already has, like, that technical ability. And I think, like, his genius is just sort of, like, seeing... Now that, like, you have, like, the skeleton perfect, like, what can I add on top of this in order to make it both feel like something where you know exactly what to expect and also to bring in a layer of surprise where, like, you don't even know what to expect.
0: I was trying to... As I was watching, especially the host and Memories of Murder... preparing for this i was trying to decide and i don't even know if maybe this is a useless question but i was trying to decide if he's subverting these genres or completely adhering to them memories of murder especially because i was like even mother and 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 the host though like i was trying to think i'm like is this a cop movie or is this uh like you know a a a middle age uh middle midlife crisis movie like for mur- memories of murder or like is, is the host a monster movie or is it a family drama or is it a family dramedy you know and i think i guess the answer is that like that's why they work so well is that they're following all the rules of their genre but just being interesting. <laughs> they're, just, they're just good. They're just yeah. good. <laughs>
2: the, best, the best horror movies and monster movies are ones where you care about the characters.
0: Yeah. And that doesn't make them not horror movies. It makes mm-hmm. them good horror yeah,
2: movies. <laughs> exactly.
0: Yeah, so I think that was what I came to, too, where I was just like, no, this is a police procedural, but it's just good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, the next question I asked was about common themes, because I think that a lot of all of his movies have some things in common. Um, Para says that you know they all share social commentary, like The Host is about American how Americanism affects Korean culture and like capitalism and stuff. Oak Jaws, the meat industry. Uh, Snowpiercer and Parasite are inequality and class dynamics. Um, Parasite is commonly seen as a conflict between rich and poor. And I think the majority of the think pieces around *Parasite* focus on the Park Kim family dynamic. However, I believe Bong's most critical commentary lies in the Kims versus the O's conflict, the basement versus semi-basement. <laughs> uh, flip that. Um, I agree, though. Like, and Huber, you you kind of said it earlier. Like, when they introduce the the man living in the sub-basement, mm-hmm. um, it does feel so otherworldly. Yeah. And I think that uh, that's definitely on purpose because it, it it's a tipping point for the whole movie and I think it un, it's meant to unmoor the audience's idea of what's happening the same way that it unmoors um, our main family, the the, the the basement family, not the sub-basement family. Uh, because, I th- like you were saying before, Ingu, like, um, theirs was a, a a mentality that, like well, nobody has it worse than us. So then when they see someone that does or that they perceive as having it worse than them, it kind of undoes their whole worldview, and then they lash out against it. Not only that, they almost
1: so treat them like a monster, right? Like yeah, something yeah. to be vanquished. And he's even presented as this like ghost monster type of thing yeah,
0: when the movie he, he's too, first yeah, introduced. The shot where he's at the top of the <laughs> yeah. stairs, is it's a ghost yeah. shot. Yeah. That's yeah. a ghost yeah. shot, yeah. for sure. <laughs> like, but then
1: you get to that scene so right. after the flood where they're all like evacuated into... I don't know, like, a school gym or something? Like, after they have to evacuate after the flood. And then you see, like, the dad who's just sort of, like... The kids are, like, positive. He has to have some sort of plan for, like, this poor family they've just brutalized. And the dad's just like, my plan is nothing. Like, I have no plan. And that's just, like, the way that you have to live sometimes. And you're like...
0: best plan is no
1: plan. (laughs) Oh. Like, this sucks. Like... (laughs) And also, like, sort of just, like, the moral complacency of letting this couple die because it's inconvenient to them. Like, ah.
0: Yeah. The I, – I wanted to see it again because I, I was – I wanted to track the rock in through Parasite because I know that there's probably – I have a theory on what it means, but I know there's probably more meaning to it than I was realizing when I first saw Parasite. What's that rock mean? Anybody have a theory? I wrote about this, but it's about wealth, right? My theory is that it's like money can be a burden, too. And like the desire for it, I mean, but I don't know. What, What did you read about it?
1: My take on it is that it's about like the dream that you'll be rich one day. I mean, so, like, it's very similar to what you said, but I think it's even, like, less about money and sort of, like, almost, like, this delusion that, like, if you have this rock, like, good things will come to you. Like, I don't think it's a coincidence, for example, that he literally gets hit on the head by, like, his dream, and that is sort of, like, what ruins him. And I think the thing that's And it, like,
0: murders people, too.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, like, the thing that's so devastating about the ending of Parasite is just that, like you know he's never going to like get to there like there is no ladder like right. the entire family lives with this idea that they're going to like be able to invent this ladder into the into the park's mansion or is it the kins mansion into right. the mansion and right. <laughs> so <laughs> eventually like I think what's really great about the movie is that like the audience realizes there is no ladder. but like this guy s- sort of just is going to like live with this delusion that like he's going to get there one day. And like does he realize that like there is no ladder? Like you can't really tell and I think that ambi- that ambiguity is really beautiful. Um, and like you sort of like hope he will realize it one day. But like if he gives up on the dream of like ever finding that ladder, then that means he has to give up on the dream of, like, reuniting with his dad. So you're just like, right. ah!
0: Tears. Yeah, the... I was actually pretty surprised by the the ending, like, the... Maybe flash forward, maybe not. Um, yeah, it, it it resonates with me in a lot of the ways I was thinking about America in the last few years, where it's like, you know, not to put too fine a point on it, but, like, the great American lie of, like, the quote-unquote American dream of like everybody feels like they're three good weeks away from being a, a billionaire, you know, and like they think everyone in America feels entitled to that sort of thing, and it's oppressive. It's 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 you know, to 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 borrow a phrase from Buddhism, it's like you know the root of all suffering is this desire. So yeah, I think I think that Parasite nails that mm-hmm. its hardcore. I've actually Uh, written,
1: I think, at least twice, like, definitely in the Criterion essay, and then also, I think, in the Slate piece, that, like, I think that's, like, my pet theory about, like, why Parasite was the movie that broke through, um, like, sort of beyond, like, little art house circles. I almost said outhouse, which actually would also Mm -hmm. be, like, a very bong thing, but anyway. I think it's because, like, there is this sort of, like, dawning realization that, like, economic meritocracy for like, the vast majority of Americans is not a thing because, like, we don't have, like, a route in which, like, you can escape poverty, for example, through, like, the... Through, like, how the country currently is and, like, how shredded our social safety nets are. Not to get, like, too preachy. But, like, I don't think that, like, movies, American movies, even American shows, like, really talk about this. You know, if you look at something like Breaking Bad, which is, like, a show that's, like, very fun. But, like, the whole point of Breaking Bad is that if you're just, like, this one exceptional guy, preferably, like, a middle-aged straight white guy, and you just, like, are smart enough, you can become a fucking billionaire in, like, what, like, five months or whatever. And I think there's sort of this reluctance in a lot of American pop culture to admit that like this just isn't an option and i feel like so much of the movies is about like this one heroic anomaly and (laughs) i think what's great about bong is he's always like no like the heroic anomaly is like not a thing i can show you like a character who believes he's the heroic anomaly but like in fact like the system is against him and most likely the system will crush him and somehow learning that feels fun well,
2: have you I'm ever like, seen uh Heller high water yes good good it example reminds me like this what you're talking about it made me made me think of that because it's like there's no way out they gotta rob some banks but it's also like payback too but yeah you're you're following these people and it's not like glamorizing and selling what? you the american dream
0: you know that you know that meme where it's like uh, you see the guy with the brain and it's kind of glowing and it's like level one. And then the next one is like really blowing. And it's, the like galaxy level two brain. And it's like galaxy brain. Yeah. Uh, I feel like Bong joon Ho's at like galaxy brain level of understanding <laughs> of like this kind of social dynamic. Whereas like the kind of like woke on capitalism American movie is like, you've been betrayed by the American dream. Like you like, you you have I'm, my movie is going to make you realize that like you've been lied to man and <laughs> bang jun ho is like no Bastard. man th- this is the system working as it was built like it's built to keep you in this level like there is no way out like that's galaxy brain is realizing like you haven't been lied to you're the entire system is designed i mean you're being lied to as part of that system but it's all designed for this Anyway, I think the American mind.
1: system is like, here's the bad system, but like one guy can either make it through or at, he's going to try, he's going to fail, and he'll still have like a, like a very pretty lady kiss him at the end. Yeah. <laughs> and like Bong Jun ho I think very deliberately, will like never give you like a mission accomplished kiss. Like it's just like not what he's about. Um, yeah. because he's more like, well, the system will make you think that you can be the exception, but actually, like,
0: no one can. Right. Like. And and my favorite kind of ending where it's like, you thought you were the exception, but lo and behold, <laughs> you you ain't. Have you uh, Have you guys seen Green Room? Yes. Green Room. Green. You've seen
2: Green Room, Huber? Yeah.
0: Uh, punk band runs a oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah yeah yeah
2: did we see it together I think we did
0: we may have um yeah. love green room but the ending of that feels that it feels kind of like a bong joon ho movie does so, everyone
1: die it's been such a long time
0: uh not everyone dies okay um yeah that's
2: a good one
0: it's a good one but uh I I, I want to just spoil memories of murder like, the <laughs> last the last scene is so good like <laughs> when he goes on in the walk at the end and is just like, just like, learns some things <laughs> it's just like, oh shit, alright. <laughs> like,
1: has like, ever a cop felt more relatable than Song in that movie? Just like, a trashy dude who is like, in terrible yeah. clothes, has terrible hair, taking his aggression out on people and also, like, probably like, a guy, you can tell like, Signed up for the force to, like, do some good in the world and has just been so
0: beaten down by the violence around him that he's just, like, cops. a bad person now. Wait, what? <laughs> and, yeah, it is, like, just has has resigned himself to just beating people to get a mm-hmm. confession. And he doesn't care. Like, he cares about the the means justify the ends, you know? He doesn't care about anything. Um, which is what makes The Last Shot interesting. Uh um, <laughs> Um, I, as we wind down here, I asked, I asked the, um, uh, this is something I like to do when we do focused on a person, uh,
2: okay. episodes.
0: Like I did the same thing for the Nicolas Cage, uh, thing, but I just asked for interesting facts about Bong Joon-ho. Uh, so I got a few that I didn't know. Um, and I did not check these for veracity, so it's, it's their fault if it's wrong. Um, Takamoto <laughs> Hagu says that he's best friends with Song Kang. Song Kang Ho, the main guy in four of his movies? Well, main guy in three and also in Snowpiercer, Um, which is cute, I love that. Uh, Happy Gaming uh, just mentioned, a few people mentioned that how meticulous he is about uh, storyboarding, that he writes it out almost as like a comic (laughs) that just plans everything. Uh, Paracan core gave us four really good ones. Um, I'll tr- they're a little long, so I'll try to sum them up. Um, but Bong is part of the first generation of Korean filmmakers uh, to emerge from after Korea's removal of movie censorship in the late 90s, which is why uh, you've seen such an upswing in Korean cinema with uh, Bong Joon-ho and Park Chan-wook and Lee Chang Dong, um, to name a few, where they can tackle more like graphic stuff um shout out to the in that movie rules yeah. uh, number two real life serial killer that may have inspired memories of murder uh was found through dna testing and he was in prison uh already serving a life sentence for a different murder uh not a spoiler uh there are unconfirmed reports that the serial killer watched memory of murder memories of murder three times when it was played on tv in the jail um number three bong had a lot of financial struggles until memories of murder became a hit to sustain himself he worked part-time shooting wedding films bong said that uh there are going to be people that still have the footage that i shot for them i filmed really well if the parents (laughs) cried i did a close-up and if there was someone who looked like the groom's ex-girlfriend i got a close-up of them too (laughs) (laughs) it's really funny Uh, he also called the Academy Awards a local film festival.
1: <laughs> that was before he won, though.
0: Ah, uh, so now he
1: has
2: much more respect.
0: Yeah, he seems awesome. like a very sweet and interesting man. I don't know.
2: I feel like the um, ones who always make the darkest movies are.
0: Oh yeah, like I I used horror to
2: directors that just gush blood and they're so jolly.
0: <laughs> yeah, one of my first jobs in L.A. I was the TD for a for a show that about horror and we had a lot of guests on a lot of horror directors. And that was the through line of all these people who yeah. make like the most fucked up shit. Yeah. Is they're all just so nice. <laughs> <They're> just the <laughs> nicest, chillest people. Uh, then I, uh, we'll just briefly hit a few of these. Cause I, uh, at the end, I just say like, is there anything else anyone would like us to discuss? Um, happy gaming wanted to know if there are what a two, two parter, what, kind of movie would you want to see him do next and would you want him to adapt something or not Ingo? you already said you don't want him to adapt anything
1: i really don't want him to adapt parasite for hbo starring mark ruffalo
0: oh, yeah I is heard that
2: about that yeah, at yeah, danger yeah, yeah. of happening that's like happening yeah yeah yeah.
0: no yeah why pull up pull a michael Henneke and do it shot for shot <laughs>
2: Like with funny games. No, it's
0: going to be a fucking miniseries.
1: Because he was like, I had so much backstory for blah, blah, blah.
0: Um, I I mean, I do like a good HBO miniseries. So who knows?
1: I will add a couple of fun facts to this. Unless... Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. So one is that... um, I forget what year this is. But it's like... I'm going to say like within the last... 10 years. He was actually like temporarily blacklisted from receiving uh, funds for his movies by the South Korean government because um, the previous, uh, the current South Korean president is like fine. He's like a liberal, but like the one right before him uh, was the daughter of like one of the most brutal dictators of South Korea he was he like ruled in the sixties for whatever reason and like a make America make Korea great again, sort of like move, like all of the old people ushered in this like his daughter. Her name is like Park Gunhe. And basically she's in prison now. But one of the reasons uh-huh. why she went to one of like the things that like led to her downfall is that she had this like conciliary essentially who just like Made her do like a bunch of like corruption stuff and like claim that like he could talk, that she could talk to the president's dead father and like serve as a sort of medium and therefore would give her all sorts of like terrible advice and like charge her like really exorbitant amounts of money. Anyway, like I said, she's in prison, but her administration blacklisted 10,000 writers and directors and artists. And he was actually one of them, despite being, like, the biggest, like, name, director-wise, in the South Korean film industry.
2: Wow. That's wild.
1: <laughs>
0: I did not So know that's the that. thing.
2: <laughs> His that movies, is... they triggered.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, Consigliere, that makes me want, it, that, that triggered me. Now I want him to do an organized crime film. That's what I want.
0: Oh yeah, organized be cool. crime. Now you saying uh the romance thing, I think a romance oh, movie yeah. would would be really cool from him. That makes me think uh, your story made me think of uh On the Silver Globe by um Andrzej Zulowski. butchered that um Polish director who like fucking film got like banned he was like the government's official guy and then got like banned and he had to like sneak out of the country and like he thought the film was destroyed and so like his crew snuck out a couple of reels and they like hadn't finished it so they put he filmed modern day uh must have been warsaw or yeah i'm not sure uh where he was at the time but like he just filmed it and told you what was going to happen in the movie for the parts that they never got to make really awesome if you can track it down and find it it's on the silver globe it's really interesting hmm. um oh i brought up jorgen moore talking about denny villeneuve and bong jun ho um i love those guys they have kind of best in the biz um in their prime zach Wojnar uh interviewed uh jinmo yang who's the editor that worked with bong jun ho Uh, and had a quote from him uh, saying director bong is not the type to go out for some coffee and then come back he stays in the editing suite the entire time throughout the process i can say that for parasites especially i don't remember him even going out for lunch or dinner when we were working together (laughs) right from that right from the moment he got into the suite he would be like let's work on this portion of the film and then he would not go out he would be inside with me while i would work on the portion and he'd be in the back of the suite observing the process. I, it was never a separate process. We were inside together the whole time. Uh, Crunching. Not surprised by that. <laughs> <Bam> <laughs> smelly. Super. Yeah, I could smell that room for sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we mentioned them before, but, um, Tokyo Slim and Frank Kachwaha both shouted out Park Chan and Lee Chandong. Dong. Um, park chan Wook, known known for the vengeance trilogy sympathy okay. for mr vengeance old boy sympathy for lady vengeance and had one of my favorite movies of that year me that was me not written but maybe they like it too um and uh lee Chang dong lee chan dong made um poetry oasis and recently burning which is a blind spot for me i didn't see Dude, that I it i love Burning so much i heard it was amazing yeah i i just haven't seen it yet i really want to
1: Steven Young um, was so robbed on so many levels with that movie.
0: Which one? Burning?
1: Yes.
2: Yeah. I need to see it. Huber agrees with it. me. Huh? Yeah. I said Huber you- agrees with me. Oh, 100%. <laughs> 100%. Uh,
0: Tokyo Slim also wanted to shout out uh, a movie called Columbus by Korean-born director and Ozu disciple Kogo Nada. Um, starring john cho it's about a man taking care of his comatose father in columbus indiana it's streaming on criterion for subscribers and free on canopy uh which is a free subscription with a library card um uh, sounds Never cool heard of that I lo- one. love john cho he's great um tokyo slim also said that they saw tenant
2: and didn't love it <laughs> oh ian um, and tokyo slim thumbs down yeah I don't know. It if was you saw also my it,
0: first time in a drive-in,
2: ever. If you saw it in the IMAX, would it have been better? No. <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> I saw it in a drive-in, which is pretty damn cool.
2: Some people call day. the IMAX a crutch. I say it's part of the experience.
0: Well, get this, man, because... <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I was, uh, I'll was i read it, because his statement kind of mirrors my own. Tokyo Slims says that... Um, Patron saint of reaction mm-hmm. shots, Tokyo Slim, Says that they saw tenant and it might be the most predictable and structurally obvious Nolan film I've ever I've seen in a long time. It's well filmed and I'm sure that there were technical challenges and such, but there's like four big aha moments in the movies that I'm sure look real clever on paper, but were so telegraphed that they especially become well yeah duh moments. Mm-hmm. Once you find out what the plot is, there's some real obvious Nolan bla- Nolan bait plot devices in the film that he goes for over and over again, it was just slightly disappointing. I think, hmm. uh, yeah, it, that that was kind of my big takeaway from *Tenet*. I'm like, because like after we saw it, we were talking about it, and I was like, I understand the story now that it's done, and I know everything, and like, I didn't hmm. really feel lost during the movie, but like, I didn't, it it didn't give me enough to be like to care why anyone was doing hmm. anything, and and it felt like kind of rough i don't know ingo have you seen it Yeah. No. i don't whoop my camera didn't <laughs> it felt it felt it feels kind of rough around the edges in a way that like some of the shots are just like amateurish and the cuts are a little rough
2: do you it's think weird. the nolan expectation played a part because when i yes. saw when i saw crimson peak for the first time i liked it but didn't love it. And then I watched it again like a year later. And now it's one of my favorite Guillermo movies. And I'm like obsessed with it.
0: Yeah, I only saw th- it once.
2: Do you think.
0: I think. On that, further viewing- um, I think it definitely has a lot of baggage because I was going into it kind of like peeved at it where I was like, it's very irresponsible for you to be putting this movie out right now. Seriously. Yeah. Like I was kind of like, delay the damn it. thing. I was like, just get over yourself, dude. Like you're not going to save cinema. um <laughs> So, like, maybe it, maybe I had a chip on my shoulder about it, but I don't think that really affected my read. It just kind of affected my, like, feeling about
2: Christopher Nolan. Um, I'll see it in 2022 when it's re-released. Just watch it on your 4K TV. It's <laughs> not even that It's not even that impressive. Just
1: right. watch it on your phone the way it was
0: intended to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Queen Yay, Nolan,
2: Chris. watching it on my phone.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Eat shit, Chris. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Uh, paracad uh, says that the criterion channel recently started streaming 12 korean films from the new korean cinema wave that started in the late 90s it's a great place to check out the early works of some of korea's most renowned directors and if you'll allow me a sneak to sneak in a plug uh they've recently started to review korean films on their youtube channel and the channel name is K Movie pov check it out if there are any an- allies who like korean cinema love it reach out to them
2: ian i really want you to watch the yellow sea Put it on your okay. list.
0: All right. Is it on Criterion Channel? It might be. I'll ask my Google if it's on there. Okay. Um, okay. So we've got the, the quote challenge from Morgan Mahalla this time. But uh, before we end, is there anything else that anybody wants to say? I feel like we've said so much.
2: We have. We, we've, we've been we've going. <laughs> it was going. really fun we, listening to your analysis. I oh, thank love, you. Yeah, yes. this,
0: this has been Congrats. great. I loved I loved this. Um, Okay, so usually we have a quote challenge at the end where we have some quotes um, and then we try to guess what they're from. I used to... We used to all come up with one and try to stump each other, Um, but now our patrons do it for us and it's much easier. Um, Morgan actually gave us the answers, so we'll be able to find out if we're right right now. Tokyo Slim, when he does this, usually leaves us hanging, Uh, but they weren't able to do it this time. So, uh, all right, the first one is... Why Johnny Ringo? Tombstone. You look like so. What? Tombstone. Yep. <laughs> Tombstone. Dark holiday. Full quote is: "Why Johnny Ringo? You look like someone just walked over your grave." I gotta watch Tombstone again. Omar oh. and I, we're, my roommate and I, were talking about that just the other day. We want to watch Tombstone again. The fun fact about Tombstone—I believe this is accurate. I think so. The son of the guy who made Tombstone is. Um, Oh, a pizza Panos Cosmatos. A pizza? Yes What?
1: Like the tombstone pizza
0: Oh Sorry <laughs> You're too quick for me It's so good That's very funny He's oh, a, DiGiorno. <laughs> um, no, no, uh, a DiGiorno No, his stepson's
2: a
1: DiGiorno Oh,
2: yeah <laughs> His daughter's Celeste <laughs> That one I don't understand Celeste Pizza I'm lactose
0: intolerant <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, pa- Panos Cosmatos or whatever, I think, is Tombstone Guy's son, who directed, he directed Beyond the Black Rainbow and Mandy. Mm. Uh, true. I think that's true. Maybe it's not. I nice. don't care. <laughs> um, uh, oh, this, this one. Yeah. I just want you to feel you're doing well. I hate for people to die embarrassed. I I I'll try to do his voice. I just want you to feel you're doing well. I hate for people to die embarrassed. That was not Beauty and great. the Beast. No. <laughs> I made it sound too French. He's not French. You sounded like the candle. On yeah, yeah, I did.
1: I <laughs> was like, on
0: A famous wrestler who's dead from my favorite movie of all time.
2: Oh uh the They Live?
0: No but a great movie with wrestlers. This is from princess bride physics. Um, tough quote because it's hard to understand what he says in that particular line. I didn't know for a long time. Uh, nine million terrorists in the world. And I got to kill one with smaller feet than my sister. Yeah. Um, madness, as you know, is a lot like dark knight. All it takes is a
2: little push.
0: Yep. All right. Good job, Morgan. We, we could go a little harder, maybe.
2: Yeah, those are I finally, like, got <laughs> You some. forgot all of them, that Yeah, usually, I got none of
0: them, so no. I think this is, like, the oh, okay. perfect difficulty
1: level.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: it evened out. It balances out.
2: Usually Ian and I are just flailing <laughs>
0: guessing. <laughs> well, and then there's, like, one super random weird one that I <laughs> yeah. know. Yeah.
1: Uh, Wait, let me yeah. give you guys one. Just Ooh, because... Fun. Just awesome. because I, my friend sent me this uh, screen cap today, and I loved it so much, and I feel like it's either really easy to guess or impossible. But I'm going to give it to you anyway. Um, just give me. Okay, I know nothing about bullfighting, but a lot about desperate
2: women sounds familiar bullfighting sounds so familiar bullfighting
1: do you want me to say it one more time yeah I know nothing about bullfighting but a lot about desperate women
2: oh what's the bond movie with bullfighting in the beginning Spectre. it's not
1: a bond movie
0: <laughs> <laughs> Spectre probably has no memorable quotes <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, I want to say Good, you're flailing I feel like I, What? I said
1: good, you're flailing
0: Yeah Oh, definitely I feel, <laughs> really like I, could, I feel like I know the color palette of this movie It's like lots of warm tones Yep <laughs> Like yellows and oranges Yep I feel like it's got like Amelie vibes or like uh the darjeeling limited or something
2: What's the romantic comedy with Matthew Good and Amy Adams in Ireland? No idea. Clearly not the answer. Moving on. Is it
1: Ella <laughs> Enchanted?
2: No, but I, that one's good.
1: <laughs> oh, okay, I'll just tell you. It's actually Talk to Her by Pedro Almodóvar. Oh, damn it. What?
0: I was I was wondering if it was Almodóvar.
1: my Uh, co-host just sent me that screen cap and i love that quote so much
0: i've only seen talk to her one time and i found it pretty disturbing (laughs) you should (laughs) yeah skin i live in is one of my favorite movies so it's like who knows where i'm coming from
1: skin i live in is so much more disturbing i still have not seen that it the skin i live in I love the colors, like the way it's
0: shot is just fucking so perfect to me, Uh, which is really weird because Pain and Glory, there were shots in that that I was like, why is this lit like a soap opera, Pedro? What the hell are you doing? And he loves that.
2: uh, He does kind of. I keep thinking of Pain and Gain. (laughs) <laughs> pain movie. I keep like, pain and glory i'm like why are they talking about a michael bay movie okay yeah pain, but like, pain and gain a touching we a touching should talk mood. about pain and
0: gain because it's a fucking fantastic movie i never saw pain and gain actually it's fun it is fun pain and glory i loved um there's a quote similar to that quote from my maybe my favorite episode of documentary now uh, original cast recording co-op where one character says If there's two things I know, it's women and exactly what's going to happen in the future. (laughs) (laughs) And I really like that quote. All right. That'll wrap it up for this month. Um, Huge special thank you to our special guest. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. This was magnificent. Thank Um, you for
1: providing me the space to talk about my second favorite director of all time.
0: Well, you're welcome anytime. Uh, (laughs) If if we ever do an Amaldovar movie uh, episode, I will give you a call. I've uh, I won't give you a call. I'll email you. But- <laughs> <laughs> I don't like talking on the phone. You only have um,
1: 40 years of movies to catch up on.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. Is like <laughs> I've so seen long. like six or seven or eight of them, and I'm like way out of my depth. <laughs> um, but if you listen to
1: our podcast then you can know which are the ones to watch to get like a really good sense of his movies
0: yeah um yeah plug plug yourself pitch things uh where where can people find you what should they look out for do you have anything coming up down the road you're excited about um
1: no because there's a pandemic so excitement about (laughs) the future is actually not allowed (laughs) but <laughs> Hope is a disease. A disease. <laughs> um, I really actually do recommend, like, the two big pieces I've written about Bong Joon-ho if you still, after this podcast, uh, want to know more. Um, I think those are pretty, like, good, cohesive, comprehensive takes on Bong Joon-ho and sort of what makes him special. Um, and then, I guess, this Amadovar podcast, um, which is like the opposite of this podcast in many ways and that we really try hard to like keep every episode to like 30 to 45 minutes no offense um
0: i'm sorry
1: i'm sorry (laughs) and we try to like really uh be good about like what's the word uh i try to be brutal about like what is sort of like the thing that you need to get about Almadovar and his work. Um, and so I think all of that is good. We have I I think that's it. (laughs) And I guess I'm at I'm on Twitter at InguKang I-N-K-O-O-K-A-N-G.
0: Great. Nice. So Key takeaways, check out the podcast, read those things, follow on Twitter, and you hated this podcast.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I am really glad that I have had an opportunity to talk about Bang Joon-ho, uh, because I feel like I've loved that guy for like 10 years or something, and it's been so wonderful to, like, watch his star rise in a way I would never have anticipated in the US. It does make me a little bit afraid of, like, where he's going to go with this if, like, the HBO, like, remake of Parasite becomes, like, a thing. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Like, honestly, it's really hard for me to, like, get excited about specific auteurs just because I feel like, you know, like almost every artist has like a hit or miss sort of thing. And Almodovar and Bong are just like two people I will never not be excited about.
0: Absolutely. That's it yeah, though, only me...
1: two. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, I, I'm right there with you. Like there aren't that many truly great things. Uh, you you made me realize that Bong Jun ho is at the at the risk of uh becoming his own subject matter if he like sells out to capitalism I
2: <laughs> think <laughs> <laughs> well, um, the parasite adaptation is just a unique thing because like yeah you were I'm saying sure. he had so much backstory with it so uh, just like an outlet to get all that story out i wonder
0: but it's in it'll if it's in english it'll be like a cartoonish nightmare so who knows
1: and also i think adam mckay is executive producing mm. Mm. you know mm. our great chronicler of economic issues in america adam mckay <laughs> uh,
0: um, <laughs> <laughs> speaking of economic issues you can support us at <laughs> patreon.com slash um yeah and uh on patreon.com slash easy allies if you're in the seven dollar or up tiers you are part of the easy allies film club you can put in your comments for uh to be included in this very podcast i usually post the discussion topic about a week or two before we shoot and uh it's the lifeblood of this damn series thank you so much we also have at our 250 fifty dollar tier the shout outs and uh this month, our shout-outs are El Thanis, Greg the Dark Knight Kettering, Caleb Togi Crawford, and Nick. Shout-out. Shout out. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's going to do it. We'll be back next month. Thank you both so much. Bye. <laughs>